This is What's In with Olaplex. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. Together, we break down all things beauty, health, and wellness and discuss not just what's out, but also what's in. Today, I have the celebrity makeup artist, Vincent Oquindo, joining me to talk about what's in and what's out with blush. Vincent is best known for his old Hollywood glamour looks, using a creative approach to blush to get that perfect cheek sculpt. His clientele includes A-list celebrities like Jenna Ortega, Janelle Monet, and Haley Bieber. You can find Vincent's work in Vogue, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, and so much more. And if you want to stay on trend... Follow us at What's In Podcast on social media and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Vincent, thank you for coming on today. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to have you here today because I'm ready to talk to you all about blush today. But tell me, like, how did you first get into makeup professionally? I started doing makeup at Saks Fifth Avenue in New York. It was about 21 years ago. And I went in there and I had a real can-do attitude. And I charged up into the beauty floor and I didn't get a job. They were like, well, you don't have any kind of experience. We can't, you know, we can't do anything with you. But you know, I was walking out defeated and I got a job in sunglasses. And after I charmed this pregnant Greek lady, she gave me a job. Six months later, I charmed my way into the makeup counter and I started. And I was freelance until I wasn't. And then I found my home at Yves Saint Laurent Cosmetics. This was way back when wow. Linda Cantello was designing it. And I just sort of moved onward and upward from there. It was a very interesting time in Saks Fifth Avenue because Michael Anthony was working at MAC and BB Rexa was a fragrance girl and her mother was my manager at Bobby Brown. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a really interesting time. <laughs> it's funny because I have such fond memories of Saks Fifth Avenue. My aunt, she worked for Estee Lauder back in the early 80s. So my first experience with makeup was literally, I got the samples from Estee Lauder. I was very lucky. Mm. I was all of 12. And I remember visiting her in Manhattan. Um, I grew up on Long Island. I'm a New Yorker. Oh, But nice. I don't live there anymore. But um, I remember going out and one of the first places she took me was to Saks Fifth Avenue. And we went to, I think that like candy area. And it was the first time mm. I ever had white chocolate from Saks Fifth Avenue. And it was like so precious to me. I want to take little tiny bites. But I love Saks Fifth Avenue. And that is really cool to have so much in there. And I respect the hustle to go into the sunglasses to get into the makeup area. Smart. You know, I, I firmly believe in my career, sometimes the door doesn't open, but the window surely does. And I will jump through that window. I will just, you know, by any means necessary. And I think we create the space that we want to see in our environment. And that never changes, you know? Mm -hmm. And even now, where I am in my career, there's so many evolutions. And I think the beauty of 
this business is, is there's so much space to grow. You just have to be patient and, and figure it out. I have a little, you know, daily mantra, water always finds a way. And I sort of think of myself as the water and I'm always looking for my Ooh, way. Oh, I um, like that. So I don't really try to pigeonhole myself into just one thing because it's never that simple. You know, if that was the case, then I would have, I, I, I don't know where I'd be. You know, I've been fortunate enough to just sort of find my way. So speaking of which, it's like your water has flowed to where you are now. I mean, you made this gorgeous look for Jenna Ortega. Yeah. Just, I think it was last year at the Golden Globes Mm -hmm. where you had that gorgeous sculpted blush. What did you do to get that? So that was sort of the Sophia Loren inspired look. And at that point, this was Jenna's first award show she was nominated for Wednesday and we wanted to do something completely different. You know, like we wanted to depart from Wednesday. I mean, we didn't actually say that outright, but I think that was kind of the vibe. We wanted to like expand on the look. Well, Wednesday was so iconic. Mm-hmm. I, ugh, I love that series, but I can see where she would want to kind of come out. I mean, this was her big moment. Yeah. It was definitely her big moment. And I think for the Wednesday premiere, she kind of channeled Wednesday core. When we went on Fallon, her hairdresser chopped her hair and she did like the wolf cut. And we did like that sort of Wednesday core makeup as well. So for this, her stylist Enrique, he pulled this gorgeous, you know, beige gown and and she had that cool haircut. Um, Dave Stanwell really kicked butt. And what I do is when I go to an award show, I have my iPad, I create sort of like a collage board and I show my clients. I'm like, listen, and it's just all different vibes. So classic Hollywood is always on the menu for me. Of course. Always some of that in there. Like there's a lot of things that I mix in. Um, Some I try to push towards certain things. I know a vibe that I want to go for after I've seen the look, but When you get in the room, you really have to be open to whatever they're feeling, you know? And sometimes it's completely different than what you imagined. And I showed her this picture of Sophia Loren and she was... She was into it. She was like really into it. And then she did this thing where she kept going. I showed her once because I did, I like, I was like on one eye, I did the liner, bam, bam. And then I showed her and she went and she looked and she like, her eyes sort of opened up and she was like, I love it. And she kept sort of doing that thing. And that to me is like, oh, gold standard. Which makes it iconic and she owns it. Now that you said the Sophia Loren, I can see the channeling of that, Mm -hmm. but she definitely owned that look. Oh, yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. The thing about the Sophia Loren eye is it's sort of this very feline eye that pulls up. Then I put the blush starting not on the hollow of the cheek, which I've done sometimes. It's very, I love that look. Not on the cheek plane, but right on that cheekbone. I went hard and fast with the blush. I went um, more pigmented. I laid the bronzer down and I put that blush really sort of up here and blended it so it came right about up to here because I didn't want it to be really blushy. And it created this like feline lifted effect, which is something that Sophia Loren did. Really pulled back. Yeah. It was like a very dramatic pullback. I don't even know how to describe it, but it it was a very kind of, whew, Gorgeous look. I love the way you explained it because it makes sense how you were describing the blush that it goes with the eye. You would almost think like 
you know, cause you hear these concepts of like, you want to go hard on one area and then light on the other, but to have that kind of all work symbiotically, it just really is an iconic look. Absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. It's always nice when it's like received well, you know, like sometimes I feel like you create these looks and they kind of fly under the radar. And that one was a really special one. And and a lot of people really liked it. And a lot of her fans recreated it. And it was cool. I was, I, I got tagged a lot. The fan accounts were just like loving it and recreating it. And it was, it's very exciting. <laughs> that must have felt fantastic. Yeah. It's always nice to have like people go, oh, see, they saw it was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially like with the beauty look too, because you just see how it can be universally flattering for everyone and how people just mm. can create their own version of it. And and that's like the goal for me. Like, I just want to inspire. And like, because I remember being a young person and looking for inspiration. So I love that I can just sort of pass that on and, you know, create these looks that not only are exciting to myself and my client, but are very exciting to the fan base and the beauty editors and just the general public. You know, you, bring, you resurge something that I geeked out as, as a budding artist, um, you know, classic Hollywood, Sophia Loren, you know, that was a time of signature beauty looks. You know, there was mm-hmm. a signature brows, signature liners, like every actress had their mark. Oh, for sure. But this is where I want to ask you, is that like when it comes to blush and it, like everybody had their iconic, I mean, did you feel that since the beginning of your career all the way up to now, like what was your journey with blush because I mean, we have like the eye stuff that we did at different times, uh, you know, all of that, the bronzer, but with blush, I know from the eighties, like we use that, like bronzer is used now. Like oh, yeah. it, it's changed over the years. <laughs> yes. Don't laugh at me, Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that eighties blush because now it's really like with TikTok, it's just really come back. It's come back in mm-hmm. such a big way. And they just renamed it. Um, my journey with blush is a <laughs> very tortured one. <laughs> I didn't love blush when I started. I never touched it. I was like, Ugh, really? I'm good. I just wasn't into. I wasn't into it. It scared me. I think you have to have, as an artist, there's a certain amount of skill that it takes to make blush look good. Because if you don't do blush properly, you can bring out texture. You can amplify redness. It could stick in the pores. It can, it just, it was above my pay grade for a great many years. And I take pride in the fact that I didn't go to makeup school. I learned by doing makeup on people in mm-hmm. Saks. I, I was open. I asked questions. I learned from the people. And I think if you're open to hearing how somebody wants something, if you approach it with genuine kindness, people will teach you. And they taught me. Okay, so let's dive into what's out with blush. Like, do you have anything out there that you're going, "Mm, yeah, we need to stay away from that? (laughs) I've quickly learned in this business not to yuck anybody's yum. I like that (laughs) phrase, but I get it. Of course, there are things that I'm not a fan of in terms of the world of makeup and complexion. Not so much blush per se, but I guess it kind of fits into the whole category of everything in terms of skin. Um, I don't 
really love full coverage foundation, like like where you don't see pores, you don't see texture. It's really one dimensional. And when that look sort of happens all over the face and it's really superficial, that's never like my bag per se. If you're going to do a full coverage foundation, for me, what's so interesting about the face is the contours, the highs and lows and the depth that you get. So when I'm doing someone's makeup, I amplify that. I amplify what's already there. And that's why it's aspirational and it suits the individual. Well, to that point, I actually feel like one of the things I have learned in my blush journey is that getting to the highs and lows, that blush really looks amazing when you're able to create those highs and lows. And it has to work in partnership with a great foundation. Contouring, not saying you have to be hardcore, Mm -hmm. but like it's almost like layering. So like Mm -hmm. to do just... Personally, I, I'm not, when it's just very flat, it's just that one color. I feel like nowadays everything is in technicolor. Like we are looking at depth. We're looking at just bringing out those highs and lows as best as we can and just not keeping it to one black color. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, that's what I look for. I When I'm doing someone's makeup and I'm creating a blush look like with Jenna, if I had to remember... I think she probably had at least like four to five different products on her cheek that day, you know, from at least two to three different blush colors, the contour color, the highlighter color that like there was just a lot of depth to that cheek. And Mm. and even though I'll build all of that dimension on the cheek, I don't like for people to see the work. So then what I'll do is I'll take like a damp beauty blender and I'll just kind of go lightly go over everything or I'll... I've been loving this um, more face mist and it's a setting spray and I just kind of set everything. I let it cook for a minute and then I'll just use a loose powder. I really like the the House Labs one. I used it on myself before we got started. I can't seem to like master powder. Like, oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> Without it looking cakey. Oh, it's all about the brush. Tell me about brushes. Because here's the <laughs> thing, like, I almost feel like we've been in such a dewy, glowy kind of like blush kind of thing where it just looks like fresh and whatever. Uh I always felt like when you're getting into powder, it's like mattifying a lot, Mm -hmm. but also, yeah, no, it just looks cakey. I mean, granted, I'm 51. It's going to look cakey a little bit. Well, not. it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Maybe the way I'm doing it, Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get you past that. We're going to help you out. (laughs) Okay. Danielle, I got you. So, (laughs) you know, I I work with some more mature actresses. I've worked with Judith Light. I've worked with Catherine Zeta-Jones. I've worked with every age group, you know, not just the Jenna Ortegas. So you want to take your skincare and don't oversaturate the skin. Don't put too much on your skin because you're weighing it down. So what happens is, is your skin, if you're massaging it in, it's going to absorb everything. And then a couple minutes later, it's probably going to kick back out what it doesn't need. So if you're doing your makeup in a rush, which most people are, what you are going to end up with is when you put the foundation over that excessive skincare, it's going to create like a barrier between, you know, your skin, the makeup. It's And so it's going to give you that sort of cakey feeling. I have to say, I always really, really moisturize because I felt as though if it was dry, it would like suck it up and then it would be all like patchy. I never thought of it that way. So 
Don't go to extremes, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> and after you do your skincare, take a tissue. You could split it if you want. I tend to split it when I'm working with a client. So then you have your extra thin piece of tissue and you just lightly press the excess off. And wow. there you go. So simple. Makeup is simple. We overcomplicate it. And I overthink things. And I'm sure we've seen those memes of... <laughs> The, the smoky eye, how it starts off like so small and then it just grows and it's like a panda after a while. Mm, <laughs> that would be my eyeliner journey, especially with like liquid eyeliner. It's yeah. a runaway train. Maybe. It's a runaway train. It's like, oh, I made it too thick on this side, but that's okay. I'll just fix it on this side and then I'll it's go growing. back to the other side. And it's going one side to the other. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're thinking you don't want to wipe it off. I just did the rest of it. Dang it. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's It's a lot. But- so getting your skin to a place where it's going to receive the blush in a good way. So loose powder. I've been really loving the Morph Ariel Makeup by Ariel collab. I just, I really like it. There's um, synthetic brush hairs, which I find is the best. They blend wet or dry products. The shape of the brushes is amazing. And even if you manage to pick up more product than you necessarily want, you just take the top of it and you just work it into the brush. So then when you nice. when you put it on, you're not just cakey right away. It doesn't just punch like full of powder. But if that's what you're going for, then you can bake. And that's a really great look as well. But when you bake, it's not as malleable. You can't move it around so much. And then you put your blush over that. And so you're prepping the canvas. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Is the blush before or after? Yeah, so the blush is after. So you want to set with a loose invisible powder or whatever powder you want. I like a loose powder because it's light on the skin and it doesn't bring out texture. You see that? Okay. And then I, I go over it. This is something that I've learned after... <laughs> A great many years, you know, doing it. Then you can take all your yummy blush products and then you can go over it. And when it's not powdered and it's wet and you put a powder on top of it, what's going to happen is it's going to grab and it's going to grab right away. And wherever okay. you place that blush first, you're going to be working backwards because you're going to keep trying to buff it, buff it, blend it. And you're going to, you're going to end up with patchy foundation because it's grabbed right onto it. So when it comes to like tools, like a lot of people have been typically using for blush that you would say, this is not a great idea. Like this is out. You should not be using it. It's not going to help your cause. Like what would you say are the things that we shouldn't be using? Well, I don't know if it's things that you shouldn't be using per se. I think it's oh, just- Oh, I think I could say things you shouldn't be using because yeah. I probably have used it. <laughs> I, think <there's, laughs> I think there's a way to use everything. Like let's say for instance, I, I, I pulled out a couple of cream blushes for you. So I have the Chanel um, Les Beiges, which I love. And then I have, they just sent me this Armani. I think Ooh. cream blush is as exciting as it is. It can be scary as well. So- if you put that first before you powder and then you layer a blush over it, then you don't necessarily have to have that in-between step of powdering because you've already sort of created the flush. So when you use a fluffy brush, you can just kind of stipple it over, create the shape that you want 
with the cream blush first, and then you can use the powder blush. And I would say always go a little fairer than you think, because if you're a novice and you're not comfortable with it, it's always better to build than to have to tear it down. And okay. like, yeah. Because I was thinking to myself that if you're putting some kind of powder over a cream blush, that you're going to diminish its punch. Mm. So you would have to go with something a little bit deeper. And that's probably one of the things I've been doing wrong. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) But you know, here's the thing. It's like what you were saying before, building depth. So you want to sort of think of it how you're like accessorizing an outfit and you're layering pieces. If you have like one opaque layer and then you have like a sheer button up shirt that you throw over it, that's kind of like the blush. You have that opaque layer. Let's say if you have a a slip dress, that's one opaque color which is the punchy blush, like a pink. And then you have something sheer and flowy, like a jacket or something that you're putting over it. Then you're just adding and you create something that's completely new. So you're draping that on your cheek and you're creating that same sort of effect. To that point, I actually think that one of the things that I've been seeing is when it comes to blush shades, I feel like sometimes they say, oh, this is the new thing du jour. But it's really not appropriate for your skin tone. Like, do you think that like not everything is going to be adaptable for you and you should not just like dive into something just because it's trending? Agreed. But there might be something that's appropriate for you that's close. Agreed. I think that there are things in terms of skin tone that just are flattering. You know, if you are a very deep skin tone and there's a product that's made for someone that's very fair, it's going to come out really ashy on you. But if you're someone that's very fair in porcelain and you're grabbing a product that is really intended for someone that's very deep toned, you know, I have a blush here that's more of like a chocolate cherry color. That might not be the best for you because it might not help your complexion. Even if it tastes really yummy or sounds like it Mm, tastes really yummy. Chocolate cherry. It might not be right. Yeah. No, it might not be. (laughs) I think the biggest takeaway is when it comes to blush, there's not one have all save all. You layer it with other things. You either pair it with your bronzer to amplify it. You know, it's like a great film. It's just not one amazing actor that's carrying the whole film. There's a supporting cast. So like, (laughs) let's get the supporting cast going for your, for your cheeks. You know, whether it's a highlighter, whether it's, um, you're pairing a cream and a powder blush, or you're pairing your powder blush with a bronzer, you've got to have some kind of harmony, some yin to your yang. I want to dive into what's in because we're all waiting for it. But I do want to circle back to what we were talking about with the W blush because it is trending right now. There's a lot of people doing it. Mm -hmm. So kind of give me a little bit of what people are talking about. Who's appropriate for it? Can everybody get involved in that? I think easy does it. So you might not want to go for like the bright pink, which honey, let me just tell you, I love a bright pink or bright tangerine. And I I will give you the full disclosure for Jenna's look. It was a bright pink and a bright coral. And that's my favorite. Like pale pink by Bobby Brown is like, oh, I love it. It's yummy. I could like gobble it up. Don't think I'm not writing this down right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's (laughs) wonderful. It's just a Wonderful blush. And now Bobby has that new line that she's created, Jones Street, and that's fabulous too. You know, those colors are really yes. great. But I'll say, uh, go easy, go 
softer. Go with the <laughs> the more pedestrian color, not the bright pop color. I mean, listen, I love a Sarah Jessica Parker frostbitten cheek any day of the week. But I think mm. just going with the softer, peachy, rosy, like more demure color for this to start off with, to get more comfortable, I think is the best route. You know, this is even a little brown, but Hourglass has more colors like this that are a little bit rosier and you can just kind of get there. And And this has a highlighter marbled in to it, which I think Ooh. is really fabulous. I think it's a great way to toe touch into that kind of look or even actually the Chanel one. So here's another thing. They have the little tiny baby beauty blenders. I haven't seen those. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's still around. I have a few over here and I'm sure they are. They have like all different sizes and you can get one that's smaller and just kind of doop, 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 and create that sort of look and then use your fingers. If you're doing it with a cream, you have more, more control with your fingers. Well, this brings me into what we were also talking earlier about with how I was saying that I had that experience with the 80s using the blush as like a contour. I'm not going to lie. I didn't realize that people were doing that again. Oh, I love it. Like, what is that? Oh, I love it. So the thing about 80s blush is it's all about the brush. So this is a Sephora 79 brush. I like this. This is a crown brush as well. C529. Don't know what that means, but I like it. But that helps. (laughs) I'm into it. So I do three different sizes and I'll show you why. Because I would do that contour. I would start, don't go too low with your blush. You want to go right on your cheekbone. Right on the bone. Mm -hmm. And that's with the 79. This is with the 79. Yeah, that's right. So you want to start here and I like to sort of roll and then I roll down like a reverse Nike swoop. So with that one, are you going with like a more depth color or a lighter color? What are you doing? I go with a mid-tone and then I can go with my stronger color and I go right above it and I go more straight. And then you're sort of building that depth. And that's the C529 that time. The crown brush, yeah. So I'm going to take you a decade further back, which is one of my favorites is in the 70s, we saw a lot of blush on the lid. Yes, I'm not going to lie. I do that. I love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. I would get you that blush right there, deliver that hot and fresh. And then I'm going to go right here on the lid, right above. You see my contour right there? I start right here and I just add a little bit of that and I go right through the brow and I bring that up with that sort of mid mid to lighter tone. Then I'm gonna take one of the Ariel brushes. Now we're gonna delve into brighter colors, that like pale pink or the coral colors. So when you do that, this is one of my holy grails. If you dare to put blush around the eyes, you wanna minimize eye redness. So this is Lumify Redness Reliever Drops. I'm an ambassador for oh, them. Oh, for your, for your eyes, for the white of your exactly. eyes. Exactly. Smart. So you wanna put one drop in each eye before contacts, if you wear contacts, and it's gonna eliminate eye redness because when you're putting reds around the eyes, you don't want to add more redness because you'll. it's just, it can be chaotic. So the funny thing is, I love cream blushes, Mm. but I do find I have to layer a powder blush with a different shade just to kind of like give it some dimension. So admittedly, 
I will start with that cream blush as like almost like a primer yeah. for my eyelids and then go over it with the powder just to kind of give it that depth as well. And it's one of my favorite things. Admittedly, I have blue eyes, so the pink really does complement it. Yeah. But I love the look because it's not in your face. Yeah but it brings just a little something. I love that. I love that so much. And here's the other thing. Like if you're doing all of this, like make sure that your product is safe to use around the eyes because not all blush and highlighter is safe to use around the eyes. So if you are putting it on and it's kind of tingling, you're like, oh, what's going on? Just make sure you take a minute, read the package because that skin around your eyes is so delicate. You have to address like eye sensitivity. Eye health is key. Yes. No, I agree. All right. So I'm thinking here, like what's in right here is the tools make a difference, depth, and also like try and experiment with that 80s look. I love that with bringing it all together and the M's and just light on the hand first to build it up. Yes. Yes. 70s into 80s. I love that. Vincent, thank you so much for coming on here. You are such a joy. I would do this a million times a day, any day. Thank you. Let's do it. Yes. Let's do it. We live here now. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, Danielle Frank. What's in with Olaplex is produced in partnership with Olaplex and Frequency Media. Lizzie Stewart is our producer. Emily Krumberger is our associate producer. Ina Garkusha is our supervising producer. And Michelle Quarry is our executive producer. These episodes are recorded by Dante Hodge and mixed by Matthew Ernest Filler and Claire Bidegary Curtis. Development and strategy by Jessica Olivier, Sara Naz Jababayi, and Sarah Adams. 